Uh, well, my name is Trevor. It's crazy. My wife and I have been here almost 10 years now. We've got four girls, uh, all under the age of eight. It's quite an adventure. We love it. Um, really do. I'm a, I'm a girl dad, and God knew what he was doing. And uh, we're looking at a passage this morning that's really, really cool. Really enjoyed teaching on it. It's called Continue Our Series, Press On, Follow the Leader. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews 13, 7 through 9. If you've got your phone Bible, you can uh, put your thumb on your app and then click on it. Go to Hebrews 13, 7 through 9. And as we're talking about this idea of leadership, um, talking through what this, what this actually looks like. You know, for some of us, I would say the words uh, boss. When I say the words boss, that might conjure up some different images in your mind, positive or negative. Um, I've had the privilege of being under some awesome bosses, awesome supervisors, awesome, awesome pastors. Uh, but then there's been ones that I look at that I'm like, not so good. To the point where you wonder, how did this person get this position? Right? If you guys ever had one of those bosses or supervisors, like, how did you get here? Okay? Uh, well, I had, a, I had a, uh, a boss when I was back in, back in show. I was a stalker. Not that kind of stalker. I was a food shelf stalker. Okay? I wanted to clarify. Um, so I was stuck in the shelves. I was with this supervisor, and she will remain nameless uh, to protect the innocent. Um, she was not a good boss. She was not a good boss. I was, I was with her for about a year, and it was about that year that this just was solidified more and more. But it was uh, during a time of, of grief and pain that just solidified everything. Um, some of you may remember I've told a story about my Aunt Tammy, who, uh, when I was in high school, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. She battled for years, bravely fought, um, but she... Uh, passed away years later, and just seeing her example of faith was awesome. I'm going to talk more about her later, but I remember receiving the call, my family receiving the call that she'd passed away, and I knew I had to go into work and ask for some time off. So I, I drove into work, and I was praying, God, please help it not to be her on shift right now. As soon as I walk in, guess who's there? It's her. So I, I come up to her, and I say, hey, um, I need to take some time off. Um, my, my aunt has just passed away. I need to be with my family. I need to be with my, my uncle and my cousins right now during this time. And here is what she said, and I quote. She said, Trevor, death is a part of life. You just got to move on. I was waiting for the rest of the... No, that was it. So I handed in my two weeks after that. Um, I... I could have quit then, but I didn't want to let down the rest of the team. But this is the boss, right? So this is a poor example of leadership, but thankfully we have an awesome example of Jesus, but we have other leaders that we can look to. So that's what our passage is about this morning. So let's read it together. Hebrews 13, 7 through 9. Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. amen. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. So we have this command of following the leader. We're called to remember our leaders, okay? Um, remember. Now, when he says remember... Uh, it's not saying you've 
completely forgotten that these people exist, okay? They haven't forgotten. It's more along the lines of as you go throughout your day-to-day activities, they kind of fade away. You're, you're not focused on them. You get focused on other things, and they pull you away. I would equate it to this, remembering or not remembering something. Uh, my wife will sometimes text me around 4, 4.30 in the afternoon and say, hey, before you come home, could you pick this up for me at the store? And I'll give like the iMessage thumbs up thing. Yep, got it, heard, awesome, okay? Now, most of the time, I'm pretty good about remembering, but then there are the occasions I'm not so good. And so what will happen is I will get in my car and one or two things will happen. Either I'll start to think about my day, what's happened, and I'm decompressing and different things, or I'll turn on... uh, sports talk radio and I listen to either how horrible the Cardinals are right now or how great the Phoenix Suns are doing kind of okay and so then I get sucked into that and then I'll pull into my driveway open the garage walk in get mobbed by a bunch of girls and then I'll make my way to my wife and as soon as I make eye contact with my wife I'm like I'll be right back (laughs) and it'll just suddenly hit me like ah yeah okay Right? It's, it's not that I, and by the way, guys, never use this argument with your wife, okay? Just say, I'm sorry, honey, and I'll, I'll go and get it, okay? But it's not that I didn't forget. It's that I let other things distract me and take me away from what I was supposed to be focused on. It's a focus issue, right? And that's what he's saying right here. Focus on, remember over and over and over again, your leaders. Your leaders. Remember your leaders. Now, leaders... He could be talking about Hebrews 11. We just went through the stories of faith, and that was an awesome series where we could just zoom in and look at all these different men and women of faith. But he's also talking about men and women in your life who are currently leaders within the church. These are people who didn't just exist in the past, but they exist now and are speaking into your life. Remember them. Remember them. Uh, Everyone realizes that we need leaders. We need leaders. We need people to step up and move the crowds. We need people to step up and lead by example. And when this is done well, it's awesome. But when it's done poorly, it can do a lot of damage. And within God's church, unfortunately, it's no different. So one of the questions we have to ask this morning as we do this study is, what makes someone a good leader? What makes someone a good leader? I'm not talking about a a philosophical philosophical TED talk here. I'm talking about what does the Bible have to say about what makes someone a good biblical leader. And our passage this morning gives us a couple ideas, and we're going to look at a few other ones that are not mentioned in this passage, but elsewhere. So the first one is this, that we see. He says, remember your leaders who have spoken what? God's word, the word of God. A good leader speaks the word of God to you. And I love how he says speaks. It's not like a teach. I know sometimes with leadership and pastors, we can sometimes think like, okay, the guy that's up front on the podium on the stage and he's talking to a bunch of people, there might be that element involved. But I like, he's talking not only this, but a more organic nature of day-to-day life, speaking the word of God in people's day-to-day life. In other words, this isn't just a school of hard knocks. Here's what I've learned along the way through life. There's, there's an element of that. There's some, there's some credibility and truth to that. But what, what trumps all of that is there's earthly wisdom, and then there's godly wisdom. Wisdom from above. And this is what he's talking about. It's the word of God that a leader must have if he's to make an impact. 
So this person needs to teach and know God's word to this person. Now, if you go down to verse 9, he actually gives a, a warning about this. So look at verse 9 with me. He says, don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. Where is that strange teaching coming from? What's the impl implication? Where is that strange teaching coming from? A leader. A leader has the potential to teach a strange thing. Okay? Leaders have the potential to lead someone astray. The New Testament talks about over and over again false teachers, right? How do you know a false teacher? You got to know the word. So, guys, one of the reasons why we ask you to open up your Bibles with us and, and grab them on your phone is this. Now, I don't think I am, but I could be a false teacher. How do you know I'm a false teacher or, or a teacher of the word? You got this. You can open up your Bibles, look at this for yourself and say, seems legit, or this is a load of garbage. Never heard this before, right? It's incumbent upon us, each one of us as believers, to, we need to know God's word so that we can know what someone is teaching, if it's true or not, okay? So that's why we have you guys so many times. Open up those Bibles, and I love seeing people open up their Bibles. That, to me, is such a great sign of, of health. So there's warning on bad leaders and what the strange teachings can lead to. And then we bring up our second one. So speaking the word of God, the second one is this. He says, remember your leaders, verse 7 again, who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. The outcome of their lives. So as you are letting this person speak into your life as they're living day-to-day -day life with you, you get to see what their life looks like. Now, along the way, when we know this, people are going to mess up. People are going to let us down. There is no perfect leader except one. We'll talk about him later. But if you were to zoom out and look at that entire person's life, you would see the outcome of their life is this. They talk the talk, and they walk the walk. They practice what they preach. They're not just a hearer of the word, but they're a doer of the word. We have too many people who are in leadership that know what to say and yet they fail to do it right and walking in integrity as a leader as a as a leader of the word of god is so important it's so important that we do that and again no one's going to do that perfectly but as you zoom out and look at the conduct of someone's life you would see that there is a walking of integrity it matches up i love what uh, chuck swindoll said he said uh integrity is when you leave the room with that person by themselves they're the exact same person exact same person when no one else is in the room as when there's a bunch of people in the room looking at them. I love that. Such a great definition of integrity. Here's another one that we see. So we have speaking the word of God. We have integrity. And then we have this question. What's the culture or what's the product of a good leader? What's the culture or what's the product of a good leader? Again, let's, let's look down at verse 9 again. It says, don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings that could come from these leaders. For it is good for the heart to be established by grace. By grace and not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. He's talking here about the product of a good leader is this. Is it a culture of grace or is it a culture of legalism? Is it a culture of grace or culture of legalism? A leader 
can set the tone or the temperature for the room. So if the leader is one who's legalistic, it's going to be a culture of people that are hitting each other on the head saying, you're not good enough. Step it up. Do better. Come on. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And we're going to be looking around the room at each other saying like, well, I'm better than him. I'm better than her. I'm not as good as them. I better step up. Legalism. A culture of grace says, listen, we're all messy, broken people in here that need Jesus. I'm just assuming, right? Yes, we are messy, broken people. I don't care if you believed in Jesus or if you don't know who Jesus is and you're still deciding. We're still all messy and broken people. The difference is we found Jesus who's forgiven us and given us hope. And grace says this, in case we're wondering what our definition of grace is, Lewis Berry Chafer says, the theologian, says grace is treating a person without the slightest reference to what he or she deserves. In other words, when I look at someone, I'm not saying, well, here's what you've done or not done, so that's how, I'm not going to treat you based off of what you've done or not done. I'm going to look at you with a fresh set of eyes and say, you are a person that is created in the image of God, who's loved, who's valued, and I'm going to treat you that way. I don't care what you've done, good or bad. But the beauty of grace is, is that grace motivates us to change. It isn't just sit there and deal with it. It's grace motivates us to change, and that's the difference. And that comes from a good leader. What's the culture? Is it grace or is it legalism? Now, here's a relevant one. This, this one, I would say, is you take leadership in our culture, you define it, and then you flip it upside down. Because I think when people hear uh, leadership, they, think, they hear the words boss, and when I hear boss, I think someone that bosses me around. Someone that's telling me what to do. Well, the Bible says that ain't leadership. Leadership isn't a boss who bosses you around. This might shock some of you. A boss is someone that's completely different. A boss is a servant. So we have in our culture this idea of leader equals celebrity. I would say no. Are you a celebrity or are you a servant? Jesus' model of leadership is this. You serve. You lower yourself and you say, I'm here to serve you. If you don't believe me, go to Philippians 2. Philippians 2, you don't have to turn there, but just, unless I'm a false teacher, if you want to turn there, you can. You can check up on me if you want, but Philippians 2 verse 5 says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. I like the, the wording of that. Exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had become as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Now there's a leader. There's someone I could follow. Someone who sacrificially gives and lays down their life so that I could have life. And then they call me to follow them. You really do love me. You really do care about me because you laid down your life for me. You served me. That's leadership. We need more people that are less like celebrities, more like servants in leadership. I want to talk about this for a second. I think a lot of people in our culture, we equate leadership as loud. Leadership, you're an extrovert. Leadership, you're larger than life. Leadership, you're always up front. 
And I would say, yeah, there's some gifting and some elements to that where there's, that could be tied, but I think the heart of a leader needs to come down to, are you humble? Are you a servant? In fact, I would say the best leaders that I know are some of the quietest, most laid-back people I know. They're the quiet leaders. They're the ones that if you just, if you just showed up like two years later, they're doing the exact same thing. They're being faithful. They're doing what they're supposed to do, and they're not flaunting it or asking that people give them attention. They're just doing it because that's who they are. That's their character. Makes me think of David, right? When, when uh, the brothers are being anointed in the room or trying to be anointed as the next king of Israel, is David even in the room? Where's he at? David's in the field, being a shepherd, just doing what he's supposed to do. He's not even in the room. He comes in, and he's the next king of Israel. It's because he's just being faithful. So some of you, you might think, well, I'm, on a, I'm not a leader because I'm quiet. I'm not a leader because I'm an introvert. I'd say so. Leadership isn't loud. Leadership is humility. Leadership is being a servant. And we need more servants, not celebrities. This is a, a big one on that same idea of being humble and being held, held to a higher standard is this. Who's your leader being held accountable to? Who's your leader held accountable to? I would go so far as to say this. If you are following someone or if you are in a leadership position and you or that person is being is unable to be led by someone else, if they refuse to be led by someone else, run. Run. If this person says, I will not play ball with anybody else, I will not submit to someone else's authority, it's me or the, it's me or the highway, run. What that tells me is this person doesn't have this idea of leadership. They think it's their way or the highway. Those are some of the worst qualities in leaders that I see. We call that a dictator. Historically speaking, not a good look, right? I love our, our church, how we've set it up, you know. So here our, our church government, if you will, is set up in this way. We believe the Bible teaches in a plurality of elders, a multitude of elders. So you see Pastor Steve, you see uh, me, you see Sean and other pastoral staff and, and other staff members here. And we're like the faces, but there are the elders who rule over this church and again, rule not like iron fist, but we're here to serve, and these are men who serve faithfully within our church, and they keep us accountable. Uh, Proverbs says in, the, in a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom, because guess what? We can be dumb sometimes. Guess what? We can make mistakes, and there's accountability set in place there. But I love it too, because at the same time, our elders, they don't breathe down my neck all the time saying like, hey, Trevor, when are you going to mess up? They trust us but they keep us accountable at the same time. I think that's an extremely awesome and biblical way for a church to run. So for you guys just to know the inner workings of our church, that's our method of church leadership here. Um, I realize in this room too, maybe based off of your past church history, maybe you've had some church hurt. Maybe you've been hurt by a, a leader that has been more of a dictator. Maybe there's been that lack of accountability and you've been wounded because of that. I would say there's going to come a day for that shepherd because pastors are called shepherds. In 1 Peter, it says that the chief shepherd is going to appear and he will judge the shepherds. 
So rest assured, if you've been, if you've been hurt in the past by someone within the church, I want to I wanna apologize and tell you how sorry I am for that. But I also want to encourage you and let you know that something that keeps me on my toes as a, as a pastor is ultimately I have to stand before Jesus someday and give an account as a, a, sh- a shepherd to the chief shepherd. Those guys will too. And you can rest in that. God is not going to let them get away with that, whatever that was. And you can rest in that. So who's your leader being held accountable to? So how does this work? How do I remember my leaders? Assuming this person is a good leader. How do I remember them? Well, it says in verse 7, imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. In other words, what you what they speak into your life, what you observe, put it into practice. Hebrews, he's already said in verse 5, uh, Hebrews 4, uh, 5, 14, but solid food is for the mature because of practice. Not a game, we're talking about practice. Who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Practice. We need this in our lives because if we come in here and hear all this awesome sermon or semi-awesome sermon or a really bad sermon, I don't care what it is, right? If we don't put these things into practice, we're going to forget. Just like me driving down the road and going home, I'm going to get pulled away by other things. I'm going to get pulled away by other concerns and forget what those things are that God has told me to do in his word. I found as a leader is this. It's not just practicing what I've heard from the leaders that are in my life, but if I take those concepts and teach someone else, man, then that really gets in your head, like in a good way. It, it's like muscle memory almost when you teach it to someone else. So pass on the things that you've learned. 2 Timothy 2.2, it's my life verse. Paul says to his disciple Timothy, he says, the things that you've heard from me, Timothy, in the presence of many witnesses, teach to other men who are able to teach others also. Pass on the things that you've learned. The application of that verse is evident in this room today. We as the church are gathered here 2,000 years later because this verse was applied. This didn't just end at Pentecost. This just didn't end with the eyewitnesses of the resurrection. This didn't just end with the first century or second century. This has been passed on from generation because people have led and applied these verses. And if we want this to continue, we need to be those leaders ourselves. We need to pass on these things to the next generation and to people around us. Uh, I met a really cool kid last night. His name's Ethan, three and a half years old. Came up to me right before the sermon. He's like, hey, I really like your shoes. Ethan, I like you already, buddy. Three and a half years old, right? You got good taste, okay? Um, He had some Batman shoes that lit up. I was kind of jealous. Three and a half years old, little little kid named Ethan, right? Um, I got four awesome girls. I got, like, if you've been up in our children's ministry, awesome stuff. We struggle for people to step up and serve, though. I'm going to be honest. That's a struggle we have. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to guilt trip you. That's the reality. There's, there are times we have to merge classes together because we don't have enough people who are willing to teach and step in and help out. We need more people to be leaders and step in and say, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to hand out some animal crackers. I'm here to make sure kids 
don't climb on the walls or hurt other kids. There's so many different jobs within children's ministry. And we're not asking once a week. We're asking maybe consider once a month. Start there. Start once a month. Talk to Pastor Dan. Talk with one of our kids' staff about that. Children's ministry. Um, We have a care and support ministry here. So many different aspects of us this umbrella of care and support. There's, there's a world that is hurting out there, and I'm not just talking world. I'm talking here. There are people within our church that are hurting. We're starting a new ministry called Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery is for people that have hurts, hang-ups, or habits. Raise your hand if you've got a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit. Okay? Those of you that did not raise your hand, you have the habit of pride. Okay? So you can raise your hand as well. Okay? Everybody in this room has a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit. Celebrate Recovery is a great ministry. But we need people that are willing to be part of our launch team. People that are willing to step up and be involved with that. We have a great ministry here called Mending the Soul. Mending the Soul uh, helps uh, people heal from past trauma, abuse, whatever their past, maybe even their present looks like. It's been an awesome ministry where we've seen women heal from so many different things. Then to see them start to join these groups and serve others and come alongside other women is awesome. But We have a group of men, we have men that have that same thing. They have trauma, they have abuse, they have things that they're going through. We do not have a male facilitator for mending the soul. If you would like to be part of that, if you'd like to start a conversation, what that might look like, I'd love to talk with you about that. That's just one of the many ministries within our care and support system. We have our connect groups. We have 30-plus connect groups right now. It's awesome. We're trending in the right direction. I'm super excited about it. But we have a church our size, there's a holy discontent from where I'm like, 30 is good, but 30 is not enough. We need more. But that's contingent upon there being people that are willing to lead. That's contingent on, upon people who say, I will open up my home once a week or uh, once every two weeks, whatever the case may be, and open up the Bible, watch a video, discuss it, be real, be vulnerable, be the first person to say something. That's a connect group. I'd love to talk with you about that if you'd like to lead a connect group. Students, I did this for 11 years. This is my heart. Um, Man, you want to change someone's life, you start in student ministries. Um, One of the most influential times. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. We have a third of Western Sky Middle School on our campus once a week. A third. Think about that. Of this school right down the street is on our campus at some point during the week or during the month. That's awesome. That did not just happen. That is God's hand. This is years and years of work to get to this point. God has given us administrators at Western Sky Millennium High School where we can have the opportunity to do that. But man, Desert Springs, this is God's hand. The doors are only open for so long. We can't assume that doors will always be open forever. God has given us an open door at these schools to share the love of Jesus and to serve, but we need a lot more people who are willing to step in and serve on these campuses, love these kids, serve here for our after-school program, serve in our student ministries where a lot of these students are going. And guess what? They're not asking you to be cool. They're not asking you to have millions of followers on TikTok, okay? They're not asking you for that. They're asking you to just listen to them and be a presence in their life. They have enough cool. They need wisdom. They need you to show up and not be another, yet again, another person in their life who bails and is gone. 
They needed to show up and be involved. You can talk to Pastor Manny. You can talk to Pastor Daniel about what that could look like within our students. Finally, we have our Toys and More program that we're doing right now. Um, Sean's going to be out there outside with a big old TV, right? So look for the bald head and the TV. You'll find it, okay? Pastor Sean. Uh, we have the opportunity to serve 150 families and 400 kids. We've already filled up our food orders for that, but we need toys. There's toy purchases that need to be made for these families. And then in addition to that, when these families come to pick these things up, we need to share the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus Christ, that hope can be found in him eternally. We need people that are willing to serve and step up that way. I'd encourage you as you leave to check in with Sean and see how you could help with that. And guys, what is this all for? What is this all for again as we wrap this up? It's remember. It keeps us from drifting. It's so easy to drift. It's so easy to go through life. I mean, I'm looking at my daughter. She's going to be eight years old in December. I'm thinking, when did that happen? Where has the time gone? Time goes by quick. Life's, the Bible says life is a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Man, I want my life to count. Man, I want my life to matter. I don't want to just get swept up in the day-to-day life. I want to get in and serve. I want to get in and make an eternal difference and impact. This is the place to start, but it's going to take the leadership of people who are willing to do that. And lastly, as we close, I want to end with this. Let's look at verse 8 again. The linchpin of all of this is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's the deal. I'm not perfect. I'm a leader at this church, but I'm not perfect. You can just ask my wife, okay? I will forget things, the grocery store, right? I will say mean things. I will have bad thoughts. I will do these things, right? I am not perfect. We know this, right, intuitively, that leaders, people in our life are not perfect, They're going to make mistakes. That should never be an excuse to prevent us from serving the leader, though. Because we don't ultimately follow the leader. We follow the leader, Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whoever political candidate is involved, whoever political candidate is voted in, guess what? Jesus is still there. And when the next political candidate comes in, he's still there. He's the same, Jesus Seasons will change. Jesus won't. Your leaders will pass on. Jesus won't. You cannot find perfection within a spouse. You cannot find perfection within a friendship. It's not realistic, but you can't find that within Jesus. And if your hope and your fixation is on Jesus, you won't be disappointed. And good leaders who are imperfect, who will lead with a limp, I'll say, can point you to Jesus and encourage you to become a leader yourself who can lead other people, who can lead other people, and so on and so on. So consider Jesus, Desert Springs. Follow the leader, and as we follow the leader, he'll make us more like him. And as we follow the leader, we can't even imagine the eternal difference that we can make in this congregation if we go out, if we live on mission. And as we follow the leader and as we follow the leaders around us, I can't wait to see the conversations of leadership that I will have after this and throughout the week as a result of this sermon. That's one of the best parts about my job is seeing other people step up and lead. So I can't wait to talk to you, whoever you are, but I will talk to you. You can send me an email, whatever it looks like.